Welcome to Talking Property, where you get the inside information into what's going on in the Australian and Asian property markets from leading property and investment experts. Talking Property will also get a bit personal. There'll be a few rambling chats and we'll definitely have a laugh for two or three or four or five. And it's hosted by leading journalist and publisher, Nelson Yap. Welcome to Australian Property Journal's Talking Property Podcast. I'm Nelson Yap, editor of APJ. Okay, good. My guest today is Zelman Ainsworth, director of Ainsworth Property. Welcome, Zelman, to Australian Property Journal's Talking Property Podcast. Nelson, thanks very much for inviting me. It's, uh, it's really humbling to be asked by you to be on this uh, platform. No, absolutely. It's thrilling to have you as a guest. I've been following you uh, on the speaker circuit, so you're always very informative. Zelman, I wanted to first, I suppose, introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a bit about yourself, how you got into property and your company Ainsworth Property. Um, so my name is Zelman Ainsworth. Um, I'm born in Miami Beach, Florida. I moved to Australia when I was a, a when I was 12 years old. Um, spent a couple of years here, went back overseas to finish school. When I got married, I married a girl from Melbourne, Australia, um, whose family's in real estate. And, um, her grandfather said to me, you know, you, I'm worried about, I need to make sure you turn out to be a mensch and which is a gentleman. So I'm going to put a bit of effort and time into you, this one. <laughs> um, and at that time he was forming a relationship with Mark Weisel, who was just starting at his career at CBRE. And. Uh, he connected us. He mentored me all the way through. My wife's grandfather, that is, um, and in in as a result, Mark as well, and got me into commercial real estate. Uh, before that, I was you know just uni, just jobs, just trying to uh, kind of work out where my career was going to take me. Um, at the time, all CBRE had was retail leasing. I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'll do anything. Um, started out, had no idea, and the first few years were just really uncomfortable, challenging, confronting, out of my depth, out of my environment. Um, and it took about two years till it started making a bit of sense and you start working your way around it and was at CBRE for 12 years, focusing on retail leasing, never wanted to leave that market. I felt that was quite, I kind of fell in love with the industry, um, with retail, with leasing and with the Melbourne CBD in particular. Um, so I did that for a while and um, in late, 2019, early 2020, I decided my time has come and to evolve and develop my career with CBRE or without, and um, which kind of over 12 months and most of that time was in lockdown during 2020, um, looked at all different opportunities and options and resulted in creating my own little company called Ainsworth Property, which uh, we refer to as AP. And uh, here we are. So we've created this business that does an end-to-end retail solution. So as opposed to just leasing shops, we try to help the customer before the shop gets leased and after. So the planning, the strategy, and the preparation, then obviously the leasing, the negotiation, the documentation, and then finally the delivery of the fit-out and then the ongoing maintenance of the leasing. So when a landlord or customer has a vacancy, effectively that's a problem. And they're looking for a solution, but the solution is not just a tenant. There's a lot of before, during, and after that gets ignored typically. And the owner or the landlord has to go to multiple different service providers to get the same outcome. So what we're trying to do and our objective is to be that solution. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think this is um, why I suppose we ha- I wanted to have you on because you started a company during um, a new company during COVID. So you've been on that same roller coaster ride as everyone else in the past eighteen months. So talk to me. Tell us uh, what's happened in the retail market over that period. So we felt it's the best time to start a company because of the state of change and uncertainty where people were prepared to look at different alternatives. They just wanted solutions and outcomes. Mm. The size of the company and the individual that was doing it wasn't as relevant as <laughs> just get me that outcome now. And, you know, where, where is it coming from? What's next? Um, retail's always been a bit fig- a fidgety, uh, particularly amongst agencies. And um, thankfully, over 12 years of building relationships, I was able to, um, some customers, did call on us when we reopened and asked us to continue helping them on their assets. But again, with a different lens of don't just give us tenants to fill shops, like help us create a precinct and a strategy so that when those tenants are found and searched for, it's in line with a planned strategy and then delivered in time in in an appropriate timeline. So Mm -hmm. it was quite exciting to get going there. Um, I think, what this state of change and uncertainty has done, particularly to retail, and that's all I really want to talk about, um, it's given owners um, a little bit more clarity as to what needs to happen, as opposed to just chase that rent and until someone stops paying the rent, we'll, we'll wait. And then when we lose our tenant, we'll replace another one. So I don't think that the fluidity and the speed of the market's there anymore, and owners are looking for more solidified structured outcomes that can you know that that can last a least term and beyond mm. so gone are the days just record rents record rents don't worry about anything else now it's kind of we're building a precinct we're building a retail mix that feed into each other that can trade off the back of each other we're, we want to understand who this tenant is how they do business and can they do business in our property because ultimately we're neighbor we're partners if the tenant's not doing business, you're likely not going to collect the rent, which then results in a whole other sweep of problems. So I think and that was the biggest outcome of all this is just kind of taking two steps backwards, looking at this holistically as to it's not just about get the highest rent for this property. That's obviously a top priority, but there's a lot more variables involved that were not paid the respect it requires in a booming market that we've seen for the last 10 years. You're right. And for the last 10 years, things have always been the same. And now, I suppose, past uh, two, almost two years now, it's, it's, you know, the market dynamics have changed completely. And so what are landlords, businesses uh, slash tenants telling you? Um, landlords are just trying to um, eliminate and avoid vacancy right now. Um, a vacant property is just it has a bad stink to it and it doesn't look good. Um, short-term solutions is better than a vacancy right now. Uh, but landlords want to know that the person they're putting the property is someone that not only can obviously pay rent, which is effectively what we're all here for, but you know, really grow their business and help the value of the properties grow with that as well. So how do you do business? Where do you buy from? Where's your margins like? What are your costs of doing business? What rental, uh, what percentage of your turnover can you afford to pay towards rent? And, you know, does all that line up with the story? And, you know, pretty quickly, if you pay attention, you can find out, well, if your rent's 100 grand and your turnover is expected to be 200 grand, you know, you're going to have trouble paying half of your turnover towards rent, not to mention all the other costs. So 
just paying more attention to that little detail of how this works as opposed to sign it, it up, get them in there, and we'll see how they go. Um, I think also landlords are looking at their property structurally, seeing how they can make it more retail friendly, wider frontages, less. Um, retail is all about convenience. That's all it is. Um, so anything inconvenient is just just an obstacle that has to be worked around. So a step at the entrance to your store, small frontage, limited signage, no backdoor access for loading, for bin area, et cetera, things like this. Um, it's really important for owners to look at their properties now and understand that going into the next five to 10 years, how can I improve this to make this more attractive for retail to set up their business here? Um, so it is a bit of an opportunity to really recalibrate and take a bit of a um, high level view of where your property's at and where your street's at and, and where the current market's at. That's on the, uh, on the landlord side of things. Ultimately, landlords do expect that, you know, the market is soft at the moment and that is going to affect valuations and going to affect their properties um, attractive to tenants. Um, at the same time, we are seeing retail leasing deals done in the Melbourne CBD and the retail market that are in line with 2019-18's numbers. So it's not a, yeah, it's not a blanket rule. The market crashed and everything's down. Like it's not necessarily the case. Um, yes, there is soft softness to this market, and yes, um, this supply has certainly outdriven the demand. Uh, outstrip the demand, but in saying all that, if a property is presented in the right light to the right tenant in the right position, um, you likely can get the true market value of what that's worth. Right. So landlords are really trying to look, take a step backwards to look at that and like, how do we make sure that this stays where it's at? And 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 we don't have to chase our rent every month. And you refer, you're, you were saying that um, you know leases are back to sort of. Uh, in 2019 levels, um, what sort of have we seen a change in uh, the tenancy mix um, or, or different types of tenants that are now looking for space? And what type of lease terms are they taking? Yeah, the reality is um, we're not seeing many tenants enter the Australian market currently this year and or last year. Um, that hopefully will change next year. Um, and we're not seeing many tenants look to expand or, or activate a roll-up plan. I'm, I'm paying rentals that I believe, based on my current turnovers and based on the market's heading, are no longer in line with my business conditions. Um, I want to look at opportunities that are more in line with affordable rents based on my business performance. I'll turn, or I'm in a property that's in a B or A- minus location. I'd love to be in an A-plus location, which now has finally become available. So we're seeing a lot of current tenants look at their networks and say, how do I improve it based on the softer market conditions? That's basically the market we're working with. We're working with what we got, not what's coming. Um, any tenants looking in Australia, they're looking definitely into 2000, second half of 22 into 23. Um, and that also is a wait and see kind of, kind of uh, perspective. It's not, yeah, definitely, we need to have 15 stores in each state by 2024. Those strategies are definitely on ice at the moment. Um, will it come back? I hope so, likely, but it's hard to tell you what the future looks like. Anyone who's tried doing the last two years has proven wrong. Um, so, you know, I, I really do hope that goes to that. I think Australia um, and this current market and the, you know, the spending habits of Australia, of Australia retail is, you know, says and, 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 and is quite attractive to any retail business globally. And I hope that that continues, but will or won't it, or will it surpass our expectations? Time will tell. But back to my point is, I think the current market conditions change where tenants are 
looking to improve what they got, not expand what they have. Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on that um, sort of, I suppose, landlords are looking at different approaches to attract tenants and then tenants are also thinking about their strategies, which is, uh, you know, a, a quote that I uh, people always bring up is never let a good crisis go to waste. And so what innovations and strategies are retailers adopting um, here and overseas that you've seen? Technology um, is a major, major part. I mean, a lot of retailers had to provide click and collect, had to provide online delivery, um, had to turn their retail stores into warehouses. So um, this was in, at a necessity. Now that's going to become a reality where retail is going to be, you know, this word's been used a lot, but now, you know, we've, we've seen it come to life in every aspect of retail. Uh, Omnichannel, where your retail store is your online store and your online store is your retail store. So customers can engage with, with your business in variable different, in, in a, 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 a variation of different platforms and work out what is the most convenient. The key word to all of this is convenience. If I go into a shop, I try a pair of shoes, I like it. I don't want to carry that pair of shoes with me until I get home. I want to pay for it and I want it to be at my house when I get there, before I get there. I mean, that's, that's, that's where it's all headed towards. And some retailers like Sneaker Boy um, have been at the forefront of that innovation for quite a while now. But the speed of delivery and the speed of transactions and the speed of trends that are just kind of changing before the weather changes um, is quite exciting and fun to watch. And the retailers that can have the technology and the, and the agile enough to move with the times, it makes it exciting. And that, that excitement is the experience that people are looking for to connect and engage with businesses and become loyal customers. It's that level of excitement. To go into a big warehouse store and buy something in red, blue, or green for a price that's okay and reasonable is not exciting. I could just do that on my phone and not travel to that warehouse store and park outside and wait in line. Um, so why am I not buying that product on my phone or iPad or whatever device? And why am I engaging with that customer, with that business? You know, is this staff good? Is this store pleasant? Is it temperature good? Is it music in the store too loud? All these little things things um, contribute to the experience that people talk about retail experience as like this, like unbelievable, you know, out of this world. That's not reality. You can't do that every time you go to the supermarket or every time you buy a shirt, you just want a kids that uh, 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 an experience that yeah, it's good. Yeah. Body was great. They had my size. It was available. It was clean. It was neat, easy to find, easy to get in, easy to get out. Didn't fit when I got home, you returned it. No problems. Like that, that's the experience that you wanted. Just pure convenience and the sense of appreciation for that business. Thank you for being our customer. We, you know, please come back. We, we value your business. These aren't just words. These are these are things that business that retailers are putting into place to make it really felt for every touch point that a customer may have. Either they're browsing, either they're um, researching, or they're actually purchasing or returning. They want to be able to feel that. Way. Yeah, it's it, the experience you bring up is uh, I'm familiar with. I, I mean, I went to probably a few months ago when we weren't in lockdown um, to buy something at a store and they didn't have a uh, a jumper in my size. And they said, oh, but, you know, it's in another shop in uh, Doncaster or something. I thought, oh, God, that's a long way for me to drive. And they said, oh, but we can hold it for you and you can go there. And I was like, nah, forget it. <laughs> so in that point, yeah, they've lost the sale. How easy would it be 
take your credit card, purchase it for you online and get it sent to your home. Actually, that's a really interesting point you brought up with the, you know, thinking about it and how in more to be more customer orientated rather than saying, okay, if you get in your car, whereas, you know, I was in Williamstown. So it's like to drive from Williamstown to Doncaster is quite far away. <laughs> um, yeah. Which I suppose now. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not a science. It's not that difficult. Like we're all customers of someone and we're all vendors to someone else. You just want to be treated in a way that you want to come back and, yeah, that was a great experience and I'll do it again. Now, how does that result in real estate? So how does that experience translate into those stores? So if that store in Williamstown had a warehouse at the back that say, we don't have it on the floor, but we actually have it in our warehouse that's connected to our shop. Can you wait 15 minutes and I'll get it for you or I'll get it sent to your house. But all that's done in the same conversation with the same person, you're not transitioning. So that warehouse that they're paying retail rents for it now pays its way because retail customers are walking in to use the warehouse. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. No, it totally does. And I never thought about it that way until we've just had this uh, chat. And I thought, yeah, that's customer. Sorry, that business that I walked into, I lost the sale because um, they didn't have another alternative for me. And for me, it was the convenience. I just didn't have time to drive across town to go and, you know, get a jumper. Everyone's too busy or believe they're too busy to do things like that. It's just, again, it's out of your personal convenience. Um, and to get made feel different, special, like, yeah, yeah, thank you, that sweater, whatever that was. But, you know, that $100 jumper, you know, that meant something to you that you wanted to have if it was there. Now you forgot about it and you associate that brand, that business, that retail property, that whole experience quite tainted. And that's avoidable just by having that, retail online plugged into each other as one business. Now that's, that's fashion. Now food is a very similar thing as well. Online food delivery, et cetera. So having a retail, pro and how does that translate is having a retail property that can transition from an online delivery system to a sit down restaurant and everything in between, because you need to be everything to that one customer at any one time they come to you. So dark kitchens out in cheaper suburban, cheaper industrial areas that you might not be paying retail rents for that can service these restaurants on a quicker pace yet have that restaurant experience. So real estate plays a, plays a role in all of these different experiences um, of how they come to market, how it works, and what that does to values of both rents and property valuations. But I think the key word to all of this is convenience. Yeah, Absolutely. And as you know, we touched upon uh, the fashion sector and um, lockdown has meant that, you know, we had, didn't need to buy that many new clothes <laughs> because you only wear the same thing at home anyway. Um, but this week I saw that Inditex, the owner of Zara, um, actually revealed that their quarterly sales have uh, risen not only to pre-pandemic levels, but they're above or they're 2% higher than pre-COVID 2019. So I suppose it just shows that, you know, retail is resilient. Um, so can we expect a bounce back in Australia when our lockdowns ease in, you know, in ACT, in New South Wales and Victoria? Yeah. Um, Nelson, most people that made predictions during lockdowns, what would happen after lockdowns were either pleasantly or negatively wrong. Um, I have no way of knowing what this afternoon looks like, let alone when the end of lockdown, whatever that comes. But from the Victoria now is in the sixth lockdown in the last 18 or 19 months, every exit came with the massive bounce back. So I hope, you know, with the, yeah, and I'm, not, I'm no expert here. I can barely keep up with the news, but 
with everything you're reading and seeing globally and here in Australia, um, both from online and from, you know, all the other, all the other areas of, 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 of insight into what's happening, it looks like it that way, but buddy, time will tell because I, I, if anyone's making predictions now, they're just trying to sell you something. But yes, retailers generally are very optimistic. They're very excited for this reopening. They want to get their, their, their staff back to work. They want to get the stores reopened. They want to engage with their customers face-to-face and just get back to doing what they, they, they love doing and they know how to do well. Um, everything is pointing to that direction, but there's no way of possibly knowing that other than what the market's saying, what people are expecting and hoping for. What are some of the big changes that landlords are wanting going into 2022 and tenants for that matter? Um, I'm seeing a lot of landlords not look for as long leases anymore. Um, mm-hmm. They're happy with three to five year terms. They want to see how market conditions, how market conditions kind of unfold over the next three to five years before they commit to a seven or 10 year lease. Um, I'm seeing a lot of landlords be paying more attention to security on their leases um, and understand, you know, should things go wrong, you know, because um, what, what am I, what, what security do I have on this lease? Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing a lot of landlords want to understand what protection or expectation the tenant wants in case of further lockdowns or in case of um, COVID or a pandemic that, you know, this one in a billion, one, sorry, this one in a million scenario actually has happened to us and seems to be continued to happen to us over the last 18 months. And there was no handbook to where to turn to. Yeah, there's two opinions that the government, the government intervention on on code of conduct and so on some people believe that was great some people believe that wasn't that you know that really kind of dictated what we're entitled to versus what we deserve um so i think a lot of tenants and landlords are just want to have these discussions up front and have some clear expectations that are documented into the lease um as to what would happen and not have to sit back and wait to be told what to do um so i think that's a very big topic of conversation at the moment um fit out works understanding People are looking into properties to see where we can add value, where we can improve it, um, and where we can create that convenience and make it more convenient, both for retail to run its business, but also for customers to engage with it. And what role is a landlord to play in that? Um, Renovations, developments, um, improvements, et cetera. So I think a lot of these conversations are being either either, uh, accelerated. These are conversations that are not new. They're definitely being accelerated in relation to property condition, but this COVID stuff and lockdown stuff, um, it's becoming quite a topic of conversation that some owners are finding some very clear guidelines that work for both sides. Um, and some owners are still working through it. I don't think there's a one shoe fits all. Every property size, every lease size, every business use is different, but um, all in all, it's it's something that's, that's on everyone's mind. I suppose you said, um, we actually don't know what will go uh, well, sorry, what will happen in the near future, <laughs> let alone this afternoon. But I'm going to ask you to pee into your crystal ball and um, tell our listeners where retail strips and shopping centers are headed into the next five years. Um, I think we're going to I think we're going to see one thing that, that we haven't seen for a while and I expect to continue seeing is that a consolidation of usages. So shopping centers are creating precincts. Um, the big ones have been doing it forever. The small ones now are getting better at it. So we are specializing in this category, whether it's fresh food, wellness, health, uh, medical, fashion, um, grocery, whatever that might be. But I'm starting to, we're starting to see a 
consult a gradual consolidation of usages into precincts, which creates a better retail environment. And that's something that you know, the bigger shopping centers were able to do for years now, but the smaller ones are kind of waking up to this is what we need to be relevant and to compete. We need to be the best at something and we need to be known for this use. We need to be where you go for that experience. Um, retail strips are a bit um, slower moving because of the ownership structure. Every Typically each property is owned by different owners. Um, whereas the shopping center is all one owner. So you can't really say, right, we're heading down this direction of health and wellness. We're heading down this direction of female or male fashion that doesn't really have, no one has that sort of control or foresight, but um, naturally we're just seeing it head that way, which is quite exciting. So um, retail strips that previously has had its own identity of a use, for instance, as the, you know, the early, the, the late 90s and the early 1000s, Chapel Street was a fashion capital. Chapel Street now is finding its new identity. And retailers in that sort of category are now attracted to Chapel Street. Church Street Brighton, again, it's found its identity and it's continuously evolving and strengthening that identity through. So despite the fact of variety of ownership structures throughout these strips, um, they're certainly becoming precincts on its own, which is uh, making it quite common sense, like a vacancy comes up, well, obviously though, these are the types of tenants we look at and out of that category of tenants, these are the top 30 that are in the market. For the last 15 years, High Street Armadale has become one of the better retail fashion strips in Australia. And that was just a gradual evolve. And these things take time on strips longer than shopping centers because of the lack of single ownership. And that's the thing, I, with a shopping center, there's one single landlord, they can, I suppose, you know, dictate, uh, who and what they put in um, into their shopping centers. But with retail strips, from that sense, it's a tenant-led uh, change um, or tenant-led evolution. But understanding where that's currently at and having some sort of positioning on where that's looking to head towards and working towards that direction. Uh, but there's no doubt that retail strips is, is cemented in Australian retail, retail landscape, um, both Tenants and customers love the strips. It's our identities, the brands, the grains of the cities. Um, and there's strips all over the country that have its own personal identity, heritage, goodwill um, that attracts both customers and ultimately retailers to be there. Um, it's just wonderful to see them evolve into specific category precincts or, you know, it might just be this one block is the block of that category. And they do it so bloody well that, you know, there's queues every, every morning for the for that coffee, if, as an example, um, I think Australia is one of the better uh, countries that do that retail strips best. Um, you know, obviously complemented by major shopping centers that's uh, you know doing an incredible job of creating precincts and driving traffic and sales. And that's where we're seeing the activity. A lot of, I suppose, you know, time will tell. But with the uh, emergence of, you know, workplace flexibility and working from home and working from anywhere, we're seeing retail strips and sub-regional shopping centres um, pick up uh, in, in traffic because a lot of people working closer, or working from home or working closer to home. So they want that convenience closer to them. Yeah. Um, mm. No one knows if that trend is here to stay. Yeah. And no one knows, I mean, there's arguments on both sides, but these are all predictions based on people trying to sell you something. Um, the reality yeah, is, I mean, I cannot wait to get back to work in the city. Uh, my team cannot wait. Our customers, our partners can't wait to get back to work. Um, 
yeah, there are elements of, of benefit to working from home, you know, being close to your kids, spending more time, being there for things that you would normally miss when you're at work. But all in all, I mean, get me, get me back to work. <laughs> we've all had that experience now for the past almost two years where we've gone, okay, this was a fun thing. At first it was a novelty and then it's like, all right, now I need to actually see people <laughs> yeah. in real life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and people. yeah, 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 the, yeah. we can talk about working from home all day, but it's, uh, it does have its benefits. Is it long-term? I, again, who knows? I got to say from my uh, uh, own experience, uh, you know, I, I actually enjoyed going to conferences and talking to people face to face and having Zoom conferences and uh, virtual conferences. They were great. Um, in the past, they were convenient when I couldn't make it there. But now I'm kind of like, all right, I actually want to go physical conference <laughs> and then see someone who's, you know, talk to them and all these things, which, yeah, I can't wait for that to happen again. Yeah, no, it's uh, I we can't wait to get in, to be able to have conversations with people without, you know, trying to miss their calls or <laughs> be distracted by a crying kid or whatever it might be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Zalman. Nelson, thank you very much for the opportunity. It really is a privilege. You've been a really big supporter of me personally throughout my career, um, in all, all the different platforms you've been running, and um, it's a it's a real privilege to to be invited onto this platform and to have a discussion with you. And yeah, thank you for helping our business. No worries. And it was a pleasure having you on. Hopefully, the next time I have you on, we'll be talking about how great retail has bounced back. <laughs> We're always going to talk about how great retail is, no matter what. The yeah, absolutely. That's true. Thank you, Zalman. Thank you, Nelson. All the best.